welcome to Pleasure Container with Jem and Jess. We are two best friends on a healing journey. Over our two decades of friendship, we have created a safe space to process our heartbreaking confusion of growing up in a harm-filled world while transforming these feelings into lessons we receive joy from. Our friendship has been a pillar in our healing journeys and ultimately is a gift we want to share with the world. Hi, I'm Jem, a self-love coach, escort, doula trainer, and singer. That's me in the theme song. Hey! Get comfy, roll up a joint, nourish your body, and unwind with us as we share our unfiltered process, wiggling our way through this goof nugget called life. Remember, shame is a tool of the oppressor, community heals, and pleasure shows the way. Beautiful sunny day. Yeah. This Beautiful. is Tati. For everyone watching, this is Jem's dear, dear, dear friend. And my friend also, but who I'm just seeing for the first time right now. And we're so <laughs> honored to have her on the show. And she's gonna talk to us about love languages and love. Yeah, Tati, do you do you actually want to introduce yourself with like your full name and if you wanna share any like places people can follow you or anything about your work? Because you're a divine, amazing, gorgeous being that we want to, like, really honor. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I love, I really love to watch you listen and watch you this podcast. I love it. <laughs> so I'm honored to be here. Um, so my name is Tatiane Santana Pereira. And um, uh, how to introduce myself? <laughs> I has one year that I became a mother. Um, I am a psychologist. I'm a doula. I don't know um, how I am a doula right now. I actually I, I'm feeling that I'm feeling that I am in the middle of a big, huge transformation that I don't understand exactly how it is. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like introducing myself a lot right now. But I... <laughs> yeah, I honor yeah. that so much. Yeah, we shouldn't have to crystallize things that aren't crystallized. Like that's so violent and unnecessary. People will get to talk to you and contact your energy through hearing your voice and they'll feel your essence. And that is you. That's all we are. Yeah. Tachi is Thank Tachi. You. Yeah, and if anybody wants to, I don't know, to check me on Instagram, I mostly write in Portuguese and Brazilian. I'm living in Brazil right now. Um, I was for seven years in, in Berlin. That's where I met Jem, uh, this beautiful being that I'm so happy to, <laughs> to have in my life. Jem also participated in my birth, my daughter's birth. Uh, 
as a beautiful friend. And yeah, so uh, my Instagram um, is Kaliandra with K. Maybe you can write, I don't know. It's Kaliandra with K uh, dot Tachi, T-A-T-I. I like it. I like it. Yeah, so we wanted to talk something about love languages, which is such a broad and like stimulating and exciting and challenging topic. <laughs> and I'm curious, what is the lens and what is the story <laughs> through which you enter this topic today? And yeah, what did you have on your heart? Uh-huh. Uh, maybe I can start with how how I'm touched by this podcast. It's, um, I think... <laughs> I think you you both bring vulnerability in such a beautiful way. Uh, being seven years a, a migrant um, in a place where my roots weren't there and I needed to build everything um, new. I was missing so much having, you know, like this very, very long time friends that know all my versions and that we have passed through so many things and we have grown together and um, we talked in a way that everything flows and there is a lot of vulnerability because we know that there is unconditional love and when there is unconditional love uh, everything just flows and language is so fluid so it's so beautiful and I can see that uh, when I watch you both talking and this is so beautiful, so pure. And, um, and if it felt like, ah, I don't know, I just want to talk with them. I just want to be like in this, in this fluid conversation. Um, yeah, I, I, I was thinking a lot, um, about how, how it is hard for me to speak in English. Jem knows a lot about that. Like, I, <laughs> I was super hard for me to be in a place where I couldn't speak my own language. And I'm feeling so comfortable right now uh, because, you know, it's just, it's, it's unconditional love that it's happening. And I love, I love language. I love, love language needs to have that kind of vulnerability mm. it needs and um so yeah i just i was just thinking about about that like how important it is for communication yeah. to be vulnerable when you can yeah yeah it's really beautiful to have safe spaces where you just know people are going to be receptive and they're looking at it from an angle of they're going to try to understand what you're saying instead of something that we talk about in yoga a lot is when you like when you're about to teach a class my te my teacher taught me to look at everybody and think um okay, we're all a lot more the same than we are different. And to just focus in on the sameness 
And that kind of reminds me of, it's like this connective feeling. Like we all, we all are more similar than we are different. And sometimes, um, sometimes there are some situations where people don't see that and you can feel it in your heart. People that are looking for the differences when you're trying to connect with them. And it's, it's just like an open, safe place when someone recognizes we're the same and they're not going to judge you and they're going to just try to take care of your soul as you speak mm. your truth. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. This makes mm. me think of like a, like a really big process I went through this year with um, with, with queerness and with the language of queerness, which is some verbal and some nonverbal. And I kind of, um, I had felt for so long so at home in queerness that when I noticed queer language in other people, and sometimes it would be the language of a haircut or it would be the language of a color journey or it would be the language of um, a pace of walking or, you know, like a, a, a wobble here and there that you just like feel and notice that are so beautiful. And it became this um, thing that I, I stopped. I, I left the phase of just recognizing it and I entered the phase of um, like seeking it out or almost like, I don't know, maybe mining my existence for it a little bit. And it became harder and harder for me. And I didn't notice this because it was completely unconscious. It became harder and harder for me to meet new people who were not giving me queer signs and who weren't familiar and touching queer culture. I was starting to see them as people that I couldn't relate to. And it was Julia who like, my other Brazilian friend who like pointed this out to me when we had a kind of cataclysmic argument and it was like a very painful transition, but I felt myself kind of crack open into this understanding of how hardened I had become and that queerness was never something that I ever wanted to harden me. And I didn't think like, I, I don't know if maybe I, my ego thought I was above that happening to me. Like, no, but I love everyone. And this is my love language. And it's like, I thought that it was a love language, but it had that hate to it that was really the hate that I had received or the hate I had internalized towards myself that I was then reflecting onto the people who I kind of imagined perpetrated that on me. And so I was, I was on edge feeling attacked by people who hadn't even attacked me. And like the best thing was, um, just your young cousin who like is in, I don't know, college age, like how old are you? Um, she's maybe 20, Mandy. So she said something along the lines of like, I just want to spend all my life around queer people. Like, I'm just not interested in being around straight people. And when I heard it from her as a 20 year old, I got to have this queer elder moment where I was like, I hear you and I've been there. And I want to just Uh add to that, that while I understand how stimulating and exciting it is to be around queers, I just want to like say as somebody who's been through it, like, don't harden yourself. And I really saw her understand me. Like she really took it into her soul and body. What I said and was like, Oh yeah, that's a really good point. And I was so excited that we got the chance to reorient together in that way. That's so precious. Mm. I don't even remember that. It was, was a that quiet, it was quiet exchange just between the two of us. Oh, well, 
it's a beautiful story and there is something about um what you said that in the end um that you really felt that you know they got it and and that she got it and <clears throat> i'm always wondering about that um as a psychotherapist and i always um in my practice i like to use hypnosis a lot as a technique and um and i have been studying and also like very interested in how we can really access um through language a place that it's really hard to explain what it is for me it's a spiritual language also because you can access something that it's in the source i don't know it's it needs to be the truth in you you need to be speaking you know the truth the real honest truth for you and somehow sometimes when the person is open i don't know what what is needed but it just you feel that you touch it something um it's so it's so beautiful when that happens um i'm wondering like um how we can make it more and more fine and i think a lot about rituals in that sense too it just occurred to me like an image i don't know if it makes sense for you but you know for people to look at virus or or bacteria 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 you need a microscope you need something to make it that experience appear somehow you know that experience won't appear through to your eyes if you don't have although it exists if you don't have something like an apparatus or like a, a machine that will make you see that mm-hmm. and i keep wondering like how we can manifest somehow this connection this kind of connection this this fine beautiful strong connection that touches heart to heart you know what what it's needed for that Jesse talks about this so often about the the fineness the micro gradients between truth and something that feels actively truthful and not truth like Jesse what would a microscope be in this metaphor so this made me think of this exercise 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 why is that word coming to me right now um where where you see- you sit with the person and you just stare into their eyes for a while. You don't really speak unless you feel called to. But you just stare and you witness and feel and absorb what they're feeling. And I feel like if we were to find a tool for looking for this connection like this really deep connection of understanding i almost i think there's a lot of ways to access it but i think for like really deep penetrating through everything that's different and looking for the sameness there's a quality of like stillness and silence mm-hmm. that that can help access it 
sense how do you take a microscope to the virus like to what you call the goo like how do you find it how do you feel it and how do you know it what do you mean how do you take a microscope to the to the goo to the virus well like what is the goo what yeah is what is the goo Jesse? <laughs> <laughs> oh many years ago Jim and I we were in a state of like bliss and gratitude and um big transformations happening and we realize that everything in life is well we're looking at and a lot of people say life has two primary emotions fear-based emotions and love-based emotions so we were able to look at the world through the scope of okay everything is love but it has this goo on it, this goo that has fear. So you have to like wipe off the goo and then you can see it for what it truly is, a blessing, a beautiful thing that's just been covered in this fear goo. <laughs> and I don't know if I did, did this justice the way I explained it right now. But, um, and basically there's, there's always something to be grateful for. There's an angle of looking at things where there's something to learn, there's an experience to have, um, there's something to feel so that you can then resonate with other people that have felt the same thing, even if it is painful um, or uncomfortable. So when you're taking the goo off of life, you're just seeing it from a perspective of it's not like, oh, this is so terrible. Why is this existing in this way? It's, it's like you were saying earlier, it's, it's talking, it's speaking with unconditional love. It's looking at every situation and seeing it with unconditional love, not as a problem, but as what, what is the authentic truth that is happening here? What is really happening in the underbelly of what exists here? Because um, if, if you're really looking at it, you know, everything seems to serve a purpose and in its existence, and um, there's just always something to learn. So I think taking a microscope to the goo would just be changing the perspective of things, you know, like instead of, oh, I'm almost out of honey. <laughs> this is really sad. <laughs> it would it would be oh I get to go to the store because I have money and buy myself new honey and maybe it will be a different flavor that I like even more. That was a really bad example. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. We got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just looking from a, a lens. It's like yeah. putting on a different pair of glasses. It's like taking off the the poo-poo color glasses and putting on the <laughs> glasses, I guess. Do you, use, yeah. um, do you use prayer in your hypnosis? And like, like in your ritual work for sure, but like do you use it in hypnosis? Yeah, it's very open. Like I, I don't have any kind of... Um, always do in hypnosis it it um 
I use what I would call utilization or <laughs> utilize or something like that. I would I would use anything that it's uh, uh, specific specific and and that um, what's the word for that that belongs to that connection, you know. So if if somehow a prayer belongs to that connection or would make sense, um, I think it would be completely um, beautiful to use. And I have done that before, remembering, yes. I have done that before, yes. Well, while Jesse was, was talking, I remember a story um, that is super... Um, strong and, and beautiful for me. I don't know if it's that the word. Um, I don't have a lot of adjectives uh, in this language, but <clears throat> it's a it's a very truth, truthful story for me. Um, I think it was in my head because I was listening to the um, to the last episode about death, the simplicity of death. And it was <sighs> what an experience and um i just reminded i just remember about um a story of the day that my father died and i remember in my body a very clear memory i never forgot this memory that i was um going down the stairs of my house my mother's house right now and almost when I was finishing, like there was missing three steps, a phone, the phone ring the, of the house. And I sat on the floor and I look at my mother because she was there by my side. I was uh, six years old. And I look at her and I said, my father died. And she was like, but I remember like feeling that in a complete at ease. I didn't feel anything bad. I remember being completely like total peace. Um, it wasn't any kind of oh, ecstatic feeling love or anything. It was just like that. It was just reality that came through me. And the phone call was about that. My father um, had suffered like um, violence um, and he was uh, on her way, on his way to the hospital and at the very end, he died, but somehow I already knew. And I was just, um, I was listening to you and thinking how everything, when, when it's in the, in the raw true, somehow like without having a lot of goo or without having a lot of, uh, ego stuff or or traumas or wounds or things like that when it's just the truth 
I think it lives more in the unconditional love than in the pain or in the fear. It's it's just the it's just what it is, you know. And I think every kind of situation has that into this the experience or the situation, you know. There's a core thing that is just the, the reality, the truth. And I now I remember that there is a technique in hypnosis, just because you asked, Jen, uh, that is called um, truism, which is just state the truth. Whatever you think it's true can be whatever, but it's just like that it's, you, you have sure that it's just true. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for listening. Mm. It makes me think of so many things. Like, I think of the children who are older children of the doula babies that I've helped with. Um, can you hear me, Jesse? Can you hear me, Jesse? It's not so good, the audio. It's not so good, the audio right now. Yeah, I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Better, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think of how many kids, how many parents have told me stories. Like, just one example of many is that um, one of my parents was in her 37th week with her second and the youngest was very small, like verbal and speaking in sentences, but like, and also like a bilingual or trilingual child. So also kind of like, you know, still putting language together. And uh, <laughs> they woke up in the morning, they were cuddling, they were in the family bed. And then that child, you know, just rolled over and, you know, reached towards their belly and said, the baby comes today. Like, the baby's coming today. And the mom was like, no, honey, I'm only in week 37. It's going to be a couple of weeks now. Like, blah, blah, blah. Just didn't thought nothing of it. Like, literally just thought it was, like, baby babble. And then, you know, five hours later, you know, active labor. <laughs> I love that. I'm only one of many stories like that where it's like, where is that? What is that child reaching into? where do they grab that information? And I think it's that it's basically like the soulful flow of just the essence of life. It's just truth. It's like neutral energy. And definitely when I'm doing guided visualizations with people in coaching sessions, I'm always like preparing the body with deep breaths and like preparing the nervous system. And then we prepare the mind and preparing the mind is always for me, like thinking neutral thoughts. Like there's, um, you know, sun coming in the window. I'm having a conversation with Jesse and Tachi. I'm sitting on my couch, my water bottles next to me. Like I can hear X, Y, Z. And it's so funny. Cause like, I just named them neutral thoughts. I don't know where I got that. Probably some like meditation, something or other, but like this concept of neutrality <laughs> and how it becomes this entrance into truth and this entrance into channeling essentially is really mm. interesting. Because once we've prepared our bodies and prepared our minds, and once I've prayed, and I always pray, like, 
silently to myself. Like I've never told a client that I'm praying ever, but like, it's always happening that while they're breathing, I'm like, please guides for this person guides for this family, make this visualization as beneficial as possible for this human. Like, let it just really expand them into abundance. And like, please just like, let this help them so much and guide me to the things that will help them. And then instantly it's like immediately entering channeling. And then it's result like, you know, it's like, <laughs> like done. <laughs> but it's so funny to me that I think neutrality is one thing, but then also prayer to me is that receiving energy that we talk about so much, Jesse, like I am receiving, I am receiving praying, praying, praying is just saying praying. something can come through. This also reminds me of the term non-attachment. Like witnessing and experiencing without clinging so hard to what's happening. Just like allowing like the experience to happen in front of you. Yeah. It's so funny like, how how yeah. all of this melds with like the chaos of the real human existence too. Like we can zoom in and out. And in and out with our microscopes, and we can really see it. And then <laughs> like we and we have to have the fluidity to pass through both. Yeah, totally. Even when when you said Jesse about stillness, there is something in it. I'm sure there that can be like a kind of a mi microscope or presence, presence. Ah, I think presence, yes, presence. And <laughs> um, but I was also thinking about all the time that you just take your eyes off the microscope and say, hey, you know, and somebody, <laughs> somebody that has seen the same thing, just like, and then <laughs> there's also yeah this connection through crazy stuff and chaos that it's interesting yeah, <laughs> we all have we all human experience is not like it's not fully divine it's it's messy uh. <laughs> actually <laughs> i was telling i was talking about this a little bit earlier jim you already know this but they were doing this experiment um this is a little bit like quantum physics -y, but so they were doing this experiment where they created quasi-crystals. And these quasi-crystals are almost like particles that can go to other dimensions and come back. They, they are similar to like a synapse in a brain where a brain will synapse and it goes somewhere else and then it comes back. And what, so they created these quasi-crystals, this is the model that they have for this, that could live in any dimension. And what they did is they put the quasi-crystal in the eighth dimension. So here's the quasi-crystal in the eighth dimension, this random shape. And then what it did is it cast down a shadow to the fourth dimension. And it created a spherical shape. So what existed in the fourth dimension now was the shadow of the eighth dimension, but it was in a sphere shape. So what they deduced and kind of looked at Earth as is it's a shadow of a higher dimension. So we're like down here or over here or in here, uh, up here, I don't know. <laughs> but 
it's like a shadow of what we truly are. And I feel like we all feel this within ourselves. We know, we know what our higher self is and we know when we're not acting on it. We know when mm. something feels unaligned, when something is, it doesn't, it's not that authentic stillness, unattached neutrality. And I just, I, it, yeah, that's what I got to say. Wow. <laughs> It's reminded me a story that I want so much to tell. I'm that's the story that I want to tell you. So I've been now. waiting, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have this ritual that I created here when I came because I was in this transition time, you know, since I moved from Berlin with baby and staying other people's house and and it's hard to build a routine or to have my energy you know centered and my rituals and my things like that yeah so i created this one that i was i i i bought um 10 sessions of shiatsu yeah yes i did that Yeah, it was like a, a ritual that I, I I didn't realize that was a ritual until you know like the second or third time that I went there, and so I was also um, escaping sometimes of my you know crazy exhausting mothering day. Um, I was also aware that I was you know receiving and took taking care of myself and and I also was going out home and that's when I I was vaporizing also a cannabis a beautiful one that I planted and then um so I was doing that I was <laughs> driving there and then when I I go out of the car that place was in a street that there there was no way out you know it was a street with an end there and there was like a beautiful copaiba tree there very beautiful it's theirs too <laughs> copaiba tree is a um, healing tree in Brazil, a lot of healing proprieties. I don't know how to say this word. Um, and um, I was under that tree and then I was vaping a little bit of, of cannabis and then I was walking into my shiatsu uh, session. And it was always very good, amazing. And when I went out, I always wanted to talk, you know, or to share some thoughts with, with Kamalo, a beautiful friend of mine, uh, James too, and also Jen. So I, it was, I, I realized that became a ritual for me. <clears throat> so I was, uh, this, this shiatsu, in the fourth or of fourth, I think, time that I went there, it was too hard for me. The 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 third time was a bit like um, I felt that the 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 when you make your muscles long, you know, the the 
stretching. Mm-hmm. Stretching was maybe too hard or too fast for my body. I have a very sensible way of existing in my body also. Um, but I always felt that this this uh, therapist, this woman was, she had something, you know, there is something about her presence in, in the hands that I like. <clears throat> and then at some point in this in this journey, I just went back home, cracked, you know, I, I had something in my in my neck and was super bad and I needed I need to see a chiropractor to realign it because what I felt is maybe there was some tension and the way it was worked just did something weird in my body. <clears throat> so I told her what I was living experiencing and she was like she she gave me some advices and she said that we wouldn't do the shots anymore but the relaxing uh, massage so i went there next time and i received it and she said that's the one that i like to do um that's the one that i really like and i'm glad that you're gonna receive it and i was happy about it and it was amazing i love it it was soft and nice and then uh, in another time, the last time I went there, um, it was my my last session. I, when she touched me, I felt immediately like an intuition that I would I was prepared somehow, or I wanted some hard shots points too, and. And that's the, the part that I love about the story. I have a hard time because of, I don't know, childhood wounds or things like that, hard time to communicate in these situations. Because although massotherapists always say something like, ah, oh, you can tell if it's too hard or too, you know, too <clears throat> light or something. I wish they all knew about consent or something like that because some people can't just speak you know, because it's maybe it's not about being too hard or too light. Maybe it's something else, you know, maybe, I don't know. So I have hard times, especially in massage. And of course, I have hard times in sex. And, and, and I, I have worked that a lot with my partner. And we have this flow, different flow, very vulnerable one. But in massages... There is this person that has this this kind of setting. I'm doing the relaxation massage and I'm just receiving. I have uh, a hard time to speak what I want. And 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 she was touching me in a very light way, but I was feeling all the time. And I was like, there was a voice inside of me. You need something stronger today you need you need like you know that little stretch that maybe will be a little bit painful in the end you know you want that you i want that i want that i'm feeling prepared for that at this moment like i want that but i was like ah i don't know, I don't know yeah? and you know when i you start to wait maybe she will end that um that movement and then i can say in the in the end of it so she can not think that it was because of that movement it was bad it wasn't bad i was liking it you know <laughs> 
uh, so I started to overthink a bit and then I felt like jumping in the waterfall you know that you just do it because otherwise you won't do it if you yeah. overthink a lot yeah. so I said uh, Leticia um, I had an intuition and I would love to receive some touches, some points, or something like that of shiatsu. <clears throat> and she was like, ah, okay. I was, okay, you can follow your intuition too. She was, okay. And then after I, I said that, I was feeling a bit like this adrenaline of have, that I said something and also feeling good. But I started to do something, a process of, you know, when you expand something and there is a force in you that makes that with the expansion. Mm -hmm. And then I, I was something in me that was like, oh my God, maybe, I don't know. She was thinking that wasn't so good what she was doing or something like, I don't know, overthinking. And then I just... I, I enter in the state of, you know what you did? You were able to talk about what you want. So enjoy the fucking massage. Enjoy your massage. <laughs> and when I thought that, she she um, she jumped into the, into the 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 table. Not jump, but you know she put the feet and she was all in the table doing this shiatsu thing and then she she put her finger in a stronger way like in the point of shiatsu and at this moment it was the, exactly the moment that I was like just enjoy I felt a fucking beautiful wave of orgasm in my whole yes! body <laughs> I never experienced something like that electric energy in a very strong way and I was like what the fuck I'm, I was celebrating I was just celebrating so much celebrating so much what I did for myself <laughs> and it was I, I wanted to share that with you Gem of course you know of course <laughs> And that's like, all about what? spiritual language, love language. <laughs> wow. Asking for what you want. Speaking up, pushing through the discomfort and like not allowing your patterns to basically rebound you away from what you just did, but saying your truth and then sticking to it and then receiving yeah. it. Oh my God. It sounds incredible. That's love language, mm. speaking the truth and also like uh, connecting. What I felt also, it's when I, it's not with everybody that I just, I had an intuition or you can follow, you know, it's not with everybody that I feel safe to speak about uh, spirituality because intuition for me, it's completely connected with spirituality. Mm. And it's so 
I called her for presence, you know, you're not doing a sequence of movements in the in the relax the relaxing massage or something, just improvise or something. And I felt just so good receiving what I needed. It was so I don't know, I felt transformed. It was this kind of, it was the last ritual, you know, it was so like a <laughs> <sighs> it's so it's so interesting how often we do carry around this awareness of what we need and then we just carry it in us like a like a sad child or like a like a crunch like I knew what I needed financially as a doula I knew that I would have liked to have been paid like five or six grand per birth and I never asked for it Never, never, never. I just held it in me for year after year after year after year. I know that this is what I want. I know this is what I want to receive, but I won't dare speak it. And like, it's so, um, it's so true that when you look at it with like a rational lens to use like rationality as like a microscope in some ways, we will sometimes be like, make ourselves uncomfortable. I will make myself uncomfortable for years sometimes in order to avoid one difficult moment or one difficult conversation. And like the amount of time I would have actually spent changing my rates and then potentially justifying them to people would have probably been in the matter of hours. But I was like, no, I'm going to choose years of low key discomfort to not have maybe one month of intense growth and then be at the level that I want to be receiving. Like, it's just interesting how much we'll put ourselves through and also how we'll hold ourselves away from truth. When the truth is a receiving truth, when the truth is what we want to receive, we're so good at holding ourselves back from it and not entering <laughs> stillness with it. Yeah. Like we'll just stay agitated It was so transformational for me when I read, I think this was in the queer Tantra book um, by like Annie Sprinkle or something. I need to check out what the actual book is. Um, but it's like, a, yeah, it's like a queer Tantra book. And she was saying that a lot of partners who are in heteronormative dynamics think that it's a really good idea to like, um, well, it's like the movie magic that you're supposed to like have pleasure at the same time. Like one person is receiving, one person is giving simultaneously. And then the like goal that movies tell you you're supposed to reach in a heteronormative dynamic is that both people are supposed to have a simultaneous orgasm. Uh, that's like mm. the ultimate goal. But she was just like, when you're giving to someone, what do you actually want? What you want when you're giving to someone is for them to just receive it. That's what you want. And that's what other people want when they're giving you something. They want you to just receive it and they want you to like ask for what you want. And we're like denying them what they want. We're denying ourselves what we want. And yeah, it was such a helpful reframe for me in my own sexual practice to be like, okay, what if I just spend a year or two? And I did experimenting with mostly one person's giving, one person's receiving. Not that you can't respond and engage and like dance, but that like, why don't, why don't you not try to give me an orgasm at the same time that we're working towards yours together? <laughs> I, ironically, I would say in this time, I had the most simultaneous orgasms with my people I was partnered with than at any other time, actually. Um. 
<laughs> and I need to say here, thank you so much because you are my pleasure coach. <laughs> Thank you.